partnering with donors and nonprofits statewide to strengthen Maine communities through grants and scholarships on the web at maincf.org. The time's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Talk of the Towns with your host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. You know, there's many ways to give back. You can volunteer, you can give money to local groups, you can mentor young people. But what if you wanted to make a gift that will continue to invest in your community beyond your lifetime? One answer might be the establishment of a local community fund. And we're glad to have some guests in the studio who have some experience with that, with that very question, that concept. Happy to um, welcome Roger Bowen, is the chair of the Scudic Community Fund, along with his vice chair, Dick Gilchrist. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Good to be here. Roger, we'll start with you. Just give us a little bit of background on, on how you um, washed up in, in Goolsboro and uh, what you're doing there. And, and uh, then we'll talk about the community fund. Well, I uh, first uh, became acquainted with Prospect Harbor Goolsboro in 1982. Uh I was a professor at Colby College at the time. And uh, when you live uh, in the interior of Maine, you look toward the water. Mm. And so we found a place in Prospect Harbor, uh, bought a small saltwater camp, three seasons. And and then when um, circumstances in my life changed and I uh, headed toward retirement, uh, but not quite there yet. Uh, we decided to year- live year-round there in Prospect Harbor, and that's why we're there. Mm, great. Dick, what's your background, and how did you um, end up here? Uh, I'm an Episcopal priest, and we were living in Ridgefield, Connecticut, uh, from, 2000, from uh, 1990, and we had decided to go up to Nova Scotia for a vacation at the end of the year in 1991. And we drove up. Neither of us had ever been in Nova Scotia. And neither of us had been this far up on the main coast. And as we drove up Route 1 and kept looking over to the right to see Cadillac Mountain and the beauties thereof, um, we were impressed. And on the way back, we stopped off by Bar Harbor and Southwest Harbor and kept driving back up the coast. And finally drove down 186 into Winter Harbor and went a little bit crazy and bought a house on the spot. (laughs) And used that as a summer uh, house for a number of years. And in 2003, when I retired as rector of St. Stephen's in Ridgefield, we decided to retire in Winter Harbor. And that's the background. Great. And what attracted you both to this particular part of the coast? Is there something that that really reached out to you, um, the the Scudic Peninsula as as a place, Roger? Well, it's a great community and uh, has a very strong sense of itself. A peninsula is not unlike an island. Mm. Uh, you feel somewhat contained. It's very safe. 
It's beautiful. Uh, the night sky is unsurpassed. Uh, people are warm, open, uh, helpful. It's a place where one feels a membership, a sense of uh, connection very mm. quickly. Mm. And, and Dick, you've lived kind of all over the world in some, in, in some manner of speaking. Yeah. And what about the, the Scudic Peninsula kind of attracted you? Well, um, as I said, when we were driving up the coast, we went down all the roads and finally rode down uh, 186 and discovered this funny little town called Winter Harbor and realized that it not only had a small Navy base at the time, it was a fishing village, it had a stores and a gas station and a little restaurant and post office and this sort of thing. And we discovered the beauties of the place and certainly underscore what Roger said about the wonders of the place, but we didn't know that at the time. Mm. And it was an impulsive thing on our part. And we got back to Ridgefield and we said, what have we done? <laughs> and only later, as we have lived here over the years, have discovered the depth of... Uh, uh, interesting uh, people, not only the scenery, of course, but the uh, wonderful people that live here on this peninsula. Mm. And um, we've just grown to love it more and more. Mm. Well, you referenced, Dick, um, the, the Navy base that used to be there. Yes. Um, that has um, been retired as a, as a, um, a, a Navy facility. Um, that really prompted some re-examination in the community. What's our future now? Roger, what, tell a little bit about that story. Well, you're probably in a better position, Ron, to talk about it than I am because uh, you were engaged in scooting futures mm. and discussion what happens after the naval base closes. And, um, of course, then coincidentally, shortly after the naval base closed, we lost the last sardine factory in America, Stinson's. Mm. And I think between those two events, uh, the economy of the Scooting Peninsula was hit pretty hard. And I think, and there were there were um, attempts um, by some to say, oh, there's a resort possibility going on, right? Well, we had an outsider, a fellow from Italy, who owned, uh, I think, 3,500 acres of land contiguous to the Scudic section of Acadia National Park, who had grand designs to uh, turn all the traffic signs into Italian, mm. and uh, <laughs> no one much cared for that. Uh, so he thankfully uh, decided to sell and. We now have Lime Timber in New Hampshire, which is actively engaging the community in a long-term plan, and a private family foundation, which at some point, I think, will take over 1,500 of those acres mm. uh, south of 186 and connected to the park. And uh, already, uh, we'll see a campground go in there. We'll see trails go through, biking trails. Uh, it's uh, one of the most beautiful areas in North America, and now everyone will get to enjoy it rather than be held by an absentee landlord in Italy. Mm. I think that's a positive. And what's happened to the Navy base? Well, CERC, Scudic Education Research Center, has uh, become uh, a wonderful addition to the peninsula. It's part of the National Park now. Uh, it's it's being uh, run in a very exciting way. They have all kinds of uh, scientific programs going on for students, for teachers. They have uh, facilities for people to come and live there for a while for doing uh, all kinds of work, uh, uh, bird watching, uh, night sky watching. Uh, they have programs in more Auditorium, which is a brand new state-of-the-art auditorium that's been built in the last five years. 
um, it's it's a wonderful addition to the uh, peninsula. So that swords to plowshares notion, um, your, your ministerial background, yep. you could attest to that. Yeah, it's a wonderful transition going right. on there. So um, with all of this going on, um, it also led to some conversations about how do we continue in, to invest in the community. And and Roger, maybe you can take that that story up there. Sure. Uh, we're thinking long term now. Uh, Two, as I said a moment ago, closure of the na- closure of the naval base and then also Stinson's uh, forced, I think, residents to think about long term. Um, and one way to to uh, to address that and bring the community together and give them uh, a sense of hope at a time when there's population loss and mm-hmm. and, and loss of business uh, is to create a local community foundation. And that was really the idea behind Scooty Community Fund to identify uh, locally people who uh, wanted to give to the community knowing that it would be there well beyond their own lifetimes and would be a permanent endowed fund that would uh, be there for their children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, and and so forth. So that's why we created that. Um, And we started in 2010. Uh, Dick and I were uh, two of the originators, but we identified another six people, each of whom was willing to commit $1,000 for five years running Mm. uh, to create a small corpus to start out with. Mm. Uh, At that point, we began researching whether or not we wanted to do this on our own, hire an executive director, a lawyer, on and on and on, or do we take the path of least resistance and use an already well-established organization, Maine Community Foundation, to be our overseer, in effect? Uh, The latter is what we chose. Uh, We're extremely pleased we did. Uh, That's a community foundation that started in the early 80s with a gift of $10, and today it's over $300 million. Mm. Uh, It consists of a lot of groups like ours. Uh, But... The beauty of it is they make the investments, uh, they write thank you notes for tax purposes to donors, uh, they give us regular accountings of our funds, uh, and we get a monthly report that gives the names and addresses of each person who's donated so that Dick and I can, in addition to their tax recognition, uh, write a thank you note and uh, make it more personal. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's a great partnership and we're fortunate to have the Community Foundation here mm. uh, assisting small groups like ours that wish to grow. So we grew from uh, eight initial folks uh, to today. Last year we had over 200 donors. Mm. And put that in perspective, that's about 10% of the population on the Scudic Peninsula. Mm. And the donations come in all sizes from anywhere from $5 to $10,000. Uh, they're from natives as well as people like Dick and I, people from away, blow-ins as they're known, <laughs> uh, who are committed to the community and the long-term survivability, sustainability of the community. And the way you sustain it is you create a fund that gives out awards every year uh, to groups that otherwise would get little or no support. And 501c3s, uh, nonprofits, uh, are proliferating on the peninsula, as they should. Uh, but we also are able to make donations to uh, governmental groups that taxpayers are not supporting for one reason or another. So anyone who has a federal ID number, 
such as the Peninsula School or Sumner High School, uh, or the town of Winter Harbor or the town of Goolsboro can be beneficiaries of a Scooty Community Fund grant. Mm. So the, the, the um, perpetuity aspect means that someone who gives 5000 or 10000 you're not going to give that money away next year. You're using the interest, basically. We give away about 4% mm. of the corpus of our funds mm-hmm. every year. In year one, in order to establish our credibility and demonstrate that we are here and we're actually going to perform in that way, uh, we bit the bullet and gave out more than 4% mm. with the blessing of the Maine Community Foundation, and we gave away $2,000, all of which went to the Peninsula School. Mm. Uh, a portion of that, and Dick deserves all the credit here, uh, it was his idea, let's create a principal's discretionary fund, which we have donated to year after year. And that allows the principal to work with the teachers and identify children who have particular needs that are not being met, Uh, kids who need eyeglasses, kids who need winter coats, kids who need new boots in the middle of winter, uh, kids who need uh, laptop computers. We principal and the teachers identify those folks and then in a quiet way, very quiet, uh, and anonymously, uh, they find what the children need, and they give it to them. Mm. Uh, and that was Dick's idea. It was a great idea, and we've done it every year since. Great. And we'll be talking with Michael Eastman, who's the principal at the school, towards the end of the hour. He's, he's in meetings this morning, so we're going to catch him um, in between meetings. So we'll um, get a little more background on the Peninsula School. And in a moment, we'll be talking with Hope Buckner, who is a board member of the Winter Harbor Library by telephone. And uh, um, she is, is uh, I think, both a recipient and a donor. Um, and that's a good good model to have um, when you're when you're uh, um, in a community. You want to give to the things and you want to benefit from them. Mm-hmm. So I'll just uh, remind listeners that they're tuned to Talk of the Towns this morning. We're talking about the Scudic Community Fund, investments in the future. Here in the studio with us, we have both the chair and the vice chair of the Community Fund, Roger Bowen and Dick Gilchrist. And we're joined by phone by Hope Buckner. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Hope. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your background and and how you became uh, affiliated with the Winter Harbor Library. Well, my background is I came to Maine as a young bride and lived in Caribou and moved down to Winterport and had two children here and loved this state devotedly. My goal was always to get back, and like Dick and Roger, I came up to the Scudic Peninsula and was just swept away. So (laughs) here I am. And my background has been in human services, doing a lot of work with very large foundations out of the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. So when Roger came and talked to me about this community fund, I was really struck by not only the, the devotion that he was expressing towards this community, but the importance of having something that would go on year after year, because this really is a struggling part of the coast. Maine. The economy has gone way down for the reasons that he talked about. And to have something like this is just so important. Hmm. And so you, you um, uh, settled in, in, uh, in Winter Harbor? I, in Winter I, Harbor, yeah. yes. And um, tell us a little bit about the library. I've been in the building. Um, I understand there's a relationship with the, the building's owner, but you have the library there. Um, tell us about the library. What would we see when we went, walked through the doors? Well, you would be struck by the architecture because it was built as a uh, universalist chapel Mm. back in the late 1800s with the purpose of giving the town a place to hear the message of that 
particular denomination. So the building is made out of stone and a lot of beautiful wood on the inside with stained glass windows. And then we have this lovely setup of shelving and a reading room for uh, quiet contemplation and reading. And we have computers for people to use when they need them. And it's just a lovely environment. It's very small, open three days a week for a total of 14 hours. And um, we are very proud of it here. Hmm. And and, um, so how did you get associated with the library? Well, my husband got associated first, (laughs) (laughs) and then I got pulled in, and I think I was looking for a way to give back to this community, and so I jumped in over my head. Mm. And what what are some of the challenges that the library has faced um, since you've been associated with it? I think the largest challenge for us is growing it, and having the money to do that has involved a lot of effort on our part, and as Roger alluded to, there are a lot of nonprofits here in the area that are all vying for money from donors, and most of the donors have been individuals who live here and are committed to this area. So it was just a wonderful idea to have everybody go to one place to give money so that we're not all having to do it on our own, um, going to people over and over again asking yes. for dollars. And, yep. and we have been beneficiaries of that, too. So tell us a little bit about how um, the Scudic Community Fund has made investments in the Winter Harbor Library. Well, just this year, I'll talk about this year because it has just arrived, we were able to purchase folding chairs and a beautiful um, projector screen for our programming. In the past, we've had this broken down screen we've been using and we've had to go to a nearby hall and load the back of a truck up with chairs, haul them over there, set them up, and then take them all back at the end. So this is going to be a real gift to us. And we'll be able to store all of these items right there at the library. And they arrived last week, so we're <laughs> delighted. Right. And and it sounds like, um, as an institution, um, this isn't a library that just houses um, books that get dusty. Tell right. us a bit about what goes on in, in the library itself. What kinds of programs? Oh, we have all kinds of programs. We have a reading program for children every Friday morning. We have an after-school program for older kids. We have a Lego program. In the uh, summertime, in particular, we've tried to do more programming because the population of the peninsula grows, but all year round, we're doing programs. We have one uh, session coming up on creating healthy finances, and we invite the community to come in and, over the course of three sessions, learn more about their own financial health, and that's important here because we have so many people who are self-employed not only with one job, but perhaps three. And we think that this will be of great benefit to, the, to all of us. And, and um, your library is at the heart or a part of the heart of the community. It's a, it's a, Winter Harbor is a walkable community. Yes, And, and so <laughs> people is. are able to get there, you know, by, by walking on the sidewalks. That's right. It's very easily accessed. And one thing people in the community love is that we have Wi-Fi 24 hours a day, and so we often will see cars parked outside even (laughs) when we're not open. Right, right. Well, um, what would you tell another community um, as as a kind of a recipient and observer and and as a donor yourself, what would you tell another community about the, the, um, the benefits of having their own community fund? I think the main benefit is that it is grown here and it stays here, 
and that in giving money to this fund as a donor myself, I feel like that money is going to benefit this community not only in the present but in the future, particularly with the way the fund has continued to support the Peninsula School, which is a vital part of getting our children what they need in terms of education. As you know, educational cuts have been happening all over the place, and there are so many small things that are getting laid by at schools, and the community fund has been able to help that. So. I think that any community that could pull this off, and I say great kudos to Roger and to Dick, any community that could pull this off and the joy of watching it grow year by year is is just invaluable. Mm, great. Well, thanks so much for being on Talk of the Towns this morning, Hope. Thank you. Hope Buckner is a board member from the Winter Harbor a library, but she's also a, a donor to the uh, Scudic Community Fund, and we're here talking with Roger Bowen and Dick Gilchrist, who uh, uh, chair and vice chair um, that that effort. Um, I think we could open up our phone co- phone lines because we're we're not going to talk with uh, Michael Eastman till a little later in the program. So if you do have questions or comments, give us a call one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight or locally, 469-0500, if you'd like to ask questions or perhaps um, add your own perspective to our conversation about local community funds. Um, Again, that number is 1-866-625-9378. Well, Roger, as you uh, began to make the case um, for a community fund, you must have had some skepticism along the way. Or did everybody say, oh, here's a check? What What were some of the challenges in helping people understand the concept? Well, obviously, raising the money is always a challenge. But uh, in fact, Ron, no one said, not one person said, I don't like this idea. There was an educational process. One person put it to me, but I don't quite understand the notion of an endowment. And as I explained that it would exist in perpetuity, his response was, oh, like a graveyard fund. And I said, that's great. That's pretty much what it is. So, in other words, if I give now, and I'm not here to give, I die 10 years from now, my money will still be there and still operating and supported the community, which was really pretty much Hope's notion a second ago. Individual donors pass away, mm-hmm. but the fund stays here forever. And the concept of, of perpetuity mm-hmm. forever is one that I think a lot of people find attractive. I think one of the major challenges uh, – that Dick and I faced was how to create a board that has credibility. And we knew that the board would not work if it were simply folks from away. So identifying and uh, talking with uh, natives, people who go back three, four, five, six generations was critical. And one of the first natives to uh, agree to come on board when the fund notion was explained to him, said, it's kind of like a barn raising. And he said, my grandparents who live in Birch Harbor, or great-grandparents, I'm sorry, uh, would have a barn raising. And then once the barn was up, a couple times a year, they would have a community get-together in the barn as a way of thanking them. Mm. So everybody in the community coming together and doing something positive for the community, reinforcing sense of community, 
as the way it worked. And so we've used the graveyard uh, in perpetuity notion as well as the barn raising as a way to uh, attract folks. And today we, we've identified fishermen. We have a fisherman on the board. We have a farmer, organic farmer on the board. Uh, we have a former fireman, five generations uh, in the area, a former selectman, uh, as well as folks like Dick, an Episcopalian priest, myself, an educator, uh, an artist. So we identified virtually every occupation on the peninsula and the six villages that comprise, six villages and towns that comprise the peninsula, and tried to find someone from each one of those areas. So it, it's, it's representative mm. uh, of the vocations and, and the people who live uh, on the peninsula. And I think that's why the board has been so successful. Mm. We'll come back to that and, and the notion that people give to people, not to organizations. And so we'll talk a little bit about the board's role there. But we do have a phone call. If you'd give us your first name and where you're calling from, and then go ahead with your question or comment, please. Yes, hi, my name is Becky O'Keefe, and I'm calling from Goolsboro. And hi, <laughs> Great. Roger and Dick. Um, I'm calling because this is so timely. Um, on our peninsula, we're having the Scooter Creates tour, mm. and um, I'm having an art show at Oceanside Meadows, and the owner of the inn has decided that his the 30% commission is going to be donated to the Scooter Foundation. And so it just is... Um, we talked about what to donate to as a charity, and um, I said that we both agreed that giving back to our community where we can see the benefits and see the people that are, you know, they're doing an organic garden garden up at the high school, I mean, at the grammar school. And so we just felt like giving right back as intimately as we could to our community was where we wanted it to go. And so I just wanted to give a plug for the, um, you know, that, this weekend come out and support Scooter Creates and also um, our donation to the Scooter Foundation and the great work they're doing. Well, oh, Becky, tell us a little bit more about Scooter Creates. I know that it's been happening three years. I've had the pleasure of working with some of the folks um, uh, to, to, to reflect on the experience and, and grow it a little bit, but tell us what's happening this year. Well, there's actually 40 different spots, spots or stops along the way, and there's a map and it goes over Saturday and Sunday, and it actually started last night with jazz at the Nautica, and it's featuring the creative economy on the Scudic Peninsula, and it's really quite, quite fun. And you'll get a, a list of one through forty and a map. And last year, as part of it, I do this two-day art show at Oceanside Meadows, and um, people would come in because during a certain period of the time, also we have local musicians, our um, Caleb and. Um, Hallie and Ben are local kids in the community that are wonderful singer. They have a wonderful band, and they play um, tomorrow at 2 to 3 and also Sunday from 2 to 3. And so people would stop in, and they'd time it, you know, during their concert and then look at my artwork, and they'd exclaim they'd had a wonderful lunch down at the wharf in Korea at Joe Young's Wharf down there. And so it was really fun hearing how people were exploring the peninsula and it wasn't just from people on the peninsula there were people from orono and bangor they were just coming down and just you know it's a two-day sort of celebration of the creative 
economy on our peninsula. And it's in what's called the shoulder season, and that's good for everybody. Yes, exactly. Great. Well, Becky, thanks so much for calling in this morning. And thank you, Skuik Foundation, for all you do for our community. Great. one 625 9378 If you'd like to participate in our conversation about the Skudik Community Fund or perhaps setting up a community fund in, in your town. Roger, we were talking a little bit about um, the the role of the board, and, and Dick, chime in, please. Um, you you have to be this trusted organization, and your faces are the organization. So people are giving yes to the concept, but as you said, you tried to build a board where everybody saw somebody similar or, or familiar to them. Dick, tell a little bit about the board. Well, the board is uh, a wonderful organization. As Roger mentioned, there are various people from all over the peninsula who are both uh, natives and go back generations in their families and also people like us who've come into this uh, area because we've chosen to live here. Uh, There are a few summer people uh, on the board, and we've gone back and forth about whether or not this was a good idea. Uh, We found it to be an excellent idea because the board usually only meets about uh, twice or maybe three times a year for uh, for business. Uh, Roger and I and others also talk informally uh, during the year about uh, setting up the, 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 the various things that we do. Um, one of the things that Roger didn't mention that uh, he has uh, referred to in the past that I think is really a good thing is he's talked about the uh, Scooty Community Fund as a savings account for the peninsula. He's used several other kind of uh, you know ideas about that, but I think that's a wonderful thing uh, as well to think about. We're, we're building a savings account and really uh, getting a lot more out of the savings account than one might expect in terms well, of and the that's, return that's, that's right. from that's, the Scooty Community, I mean, from the uh, main, main Community, community Foundation, Foundation. This yeah. notion that they are investing with kind of professional advice rather yes. than just putting money in a bank account, right. which pretty pretty slim pickings. And it's been days. interesting. Some of our board members, when we've uh, invited them to come on board, uh, have uh, queried us very, very carefully about the Maine Community Foundation and its uh, and its policies. And mm. we are we are supportive of that interest uh, because we want board members who are serious about doing good, not only doing good, but also about making good investments. Mm. And we are delighted that we have board members who are uh, good business people as mm. well. We're very happy about They're that. They're concerned about um, how the money is managed, and um, so you've got some clear policies to say this is how it's managed. Yes. And, yeah, yeah. And it's not, um, again, there's, there's a one step removed. Because you're not having to manage the money, um, you're pr- trusting that to another organization. There's this, there's this trust relationship there. Well, well, there's that also, and because, as Roger mentioned earlier, we went back and forth in the beginning about whether or not we hired a lawyer, whether we did it on our own and we thought you know this is really too big for most of us to handle Mm. and we found the main community foundation which is doing already Mm. a fantastic job well they sponsored the show so we should be up front and say well we are yes we're (laughs) we're giving them credit but it's also bearing fruit for us as well and i've also mentioned it to two or three other boards that i'm on and have been successful in getting at least one of those to uh to plug into the main community foundation Mm. and another one is Two steps away from that, so we're we're delighted about this. So you know you're you're approaching a donor for the first time. You've you tell these stories. Um, what kinds of questions do you get? How do you respond to those, Roger? Well, we we always give them an annual report, mm. and we do a published annual report every year. Uh, we believe in transparency and openness. <laughs> Anyone who wishes to see the books, uh, we're happy to share them. We want them to know that their money is prudently managed by Maine Community Foundation and that for our own part, we give them 
envelopes already addressed to Maine Community Foundation. Right. So one of the first questions is, well, wait a minute, should I write this check to Scooty Community Fund or Maine Community Foundation? And we say, you could do either one, uh, it'll still be cashed, but send it to the Maine Community Foundation because they keep the funds. And that, I think, inspires trust in a lot of donors because the Maine Community Foundation has a great reputation. Mm. Uh, they know where their money's going, but they know mm. ultimately it, it stays on the Scudic Peninsula. Mm. We're happy to share our bylaws. We're happy to share not only the annual report but our books. And I think that in itself is uh, gives donors, potential donors, a sense that my money is going to a good cause mm. uh, and it will be well managed. I look at the figures. Uh, We've had investment gains every year, uh, totaling after three and a half years of operations of $16,936. Now that's simply because the Maine Community Foundation has done a good job in investing our funds, and this comes back to us. Mm. In the three and a half years, fourth year now, we have given out $18,500. So only $2,000 more, roughly, than what we've earned by investing through the Maine Community Foundation. Right. Now that is a win-win for everybody. Yes. So the corpus continues to grow. Mm. So from the first year when we gave out $2,000, this last year we gave out $6,500. And next year, if we meet our goal of having $200,000 in the endowment, do the math at 4%, we would expect to give out $8,000 next year. So continual growth, not only of the fund, but also the grants that we award each year. And as we award grants, our credibility, I think, in the eyes of the Scooty public uh, improves mm. and more donors are likely to give. Mm. We only do one solicitation a year. Unlike a lot of groups that do three or four, we do one, we do it in the fall. And we get a lot of gifts in late October, November, and December. And then they sort of come in little bits and pieces at a time in the other months. But overall, we're up to over $150,000 right now, which mm -hmm. is pretty darn healthy after three and a half years. Great. Well, um, this notion that um, a community fund is also looking um, to the future, and there's an enormous amount of wealth that's going to be transferred in the next 10, 5, 20 years. Um, what are you doing about that? The notion that um, people might be thinking about um, putting a small percentage of their will, um, their their estate, into something like a community fund. There, the Maine Community Foundation has the experts. And we have had, in fact, conversations with two folks uh, about possibly leaving uh, to the Scooty Community Fund a portion of their estate. And they haven't said no yet. Uh, yeah. But... If they say yes, or they say, we'd like to talk to an expert, we get on the phone to the Maine Community Foundation and say, would you privately visit person X because they are thinking about leaving a portion of their estate to the Scooty Community Fund. So we don't have to do that work, which is important. Instead, experts do it. Mm. Uh, so I'm hopeful that in the next year or two, we will have a major promissory note from a donor who wants to leave a portion of their estate to the Scooty Community Fund. And that'll serve as an example for others. The whole point, and you use the word, Ron, is future. Mm -hmm. Of course we live in the present, and of course we give out grants every year. But we're thinking long-term, 
in perpetuity, which is an amazing concept. <laughs> Something, anything that I, lasts I think, forever. I would think Dick would be the person talking about perpetuity. <laughs> well, but even on a more mundane level, I was at dinner uh, a few nights ago with a, a friend on the peninsula whom I had tried to entice to donate and so far has not. And out of his mouth came, you know, I was reading your 2012 annual report and I was extremely glad to see what you're doing. And I said, oh, great. Well, I have plenty more of those and I'd be glad to get you some more information about that and have you donate. And he said, oh, I think I might do that. So it's also, it's, it's the big picture, but it's also continues to be one at the time, one at the time. I stopped off you know, a couple of days ago to deliver a 2012 report uh, to another fairly new friend, and, and Roger got a phone call the next day uh, asking about how he might uh, make a donation to the fund. So, you know, I think it's one at a time, all of us who are on the board and others as well who are interested in the fund and what it's doing uh, are thinking about the future, thinking about the big picture, but also continuing to think about one at a time. Great. Yeah. I'll list our phone numbers one more time, and then we'll talk about the process that you use to to uh, um, think about the requests that you get and, and make your investments in the community. But uh, if you'd like to participate in our conversation about the Scudic Community Fund here on Talk of the Towns, give us a call at 1-866-625-9378 or locally 469-0500. Our guests in the studio are Roger Bowen, chair of the Scudic Community Fund, and Dick Gilchrist, uh, the vice chair. So um, we've talked a little bit about how you put money into the fund. How do you how do you spend that money? How do you uh, make investments, uh, Roger? How did you think about that? Well, uh, the board has agreed uh, that uh, June one is a deadline for applications to be received. And uh, uh, this last year, I think we had eight or nine applications. Uh, we were able to fund most of them, but not all. Um, the applications are, I think, user-friendly. They can be downloaded from our website, and anyone who wishes to learn more about Scooty Community Fund should go to www.scootycommunityfund.org. Mm. Uh, we have yet to update our website to account for the awards this past year, but that will be done quite soon. Uh, so the applications are submitted. Uh, each one member of the board volunteers to serve as an advocate for a particular applicant. So uh, person A, for example, will say the potential school wants to put in a vegetable garden. Uh, that person calls the principal. Uh, principal turns that person, uh, the board member, over to uh, the teacher who will be overseeing it. They do in-depth research analysis, and then they make a recommendation to the full board. So each applicant has an advocate on the board. And that allows one person to have in-depth knowledge and better be able to represent the applicant. And that, I think, has helped and worked well this, this past year. Um, anyone may apply, so long as you're a nonprofit or you're the town of Goolsboro or the town of Winter Harbor or you have, uh, like the school, a federal ID number. Uh, Winter Harbor Public Library, for example, is a public library. Dorcas Library in Prospect Harbor in Goolsboro is a private library. They applied this last year as well for a state-of-the-art Mac computer, and they, they were awarded that. Uh, right across the uh, road from the uh, Goolsboro town office is the Coombe Studio, 
which is on the tour that Becky O'Keefe mentioned a little while ago. And Coombe Studio uh, needs new windows. They applied this year for windows to keep out the elements, and they got a, a grant this year, I think, for $2,000. We, you know, the great thing is, if you build it, they will come. And because nonprofits continue to grow in number, and we have uh, funds that we're eager to give out and eager to have applicants, uh, it's easy to find a match, a nice meeting of the minds on what the community needs. And I think it's a fair distribution between Winter Harbor and Goolsboro. We support the heating and power funds of both villages. So, Let's Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, there are a lot of folks who, who do qualify for general assistance, but if your income is slightly above that, uh, with the price of fuel going up, price of electricity, uh, reach a point in the middle of the winter when it's difficult to have uh, sufficient funds to keep warm uh, or keep the lights on. And uh, both towns have such a fund. Scooty Community Fund has been donating to both towns. Uh, for the last two years. Uh, interestingly, uh, this year we did not get an application from either town for the heating and power fund. I'm not sure why, but uh, the board, in its wisdom, said, let's set aside certain dollars so that if in the middle of the winter both mm -hmm. towns are running low, we can channel money to both towns so that people don't get cold, and the board agreed to do that. Uh, likewise, the Principal Discretionary Fund mentioned earlier mm -hmm. is an annual event, mm -hmm. and everyone on the board is of one mind in terms of the future, and that is supporting the children at the Peninsula School, because they are the future. So I think, you know, I won't speak for the board, but I'll be cautious, mm -hmm. but uh, we're always extremely eager to get uh, applications from the Peninsula School. One last uh, anecdote. Uh, uh, there's a venerable family in the peninsula called the Dyers, and each year they have an annual family reunion. Well, one of the Dyers, Mary Dyer, phoned me out of the blue and said, the Dyer family would like to make a donation to Scooty Community Fund. May we designate the purpose to which it will go? We said, why not? Well, we believe in computer literacy. And we believe that every child at the Peninsula School, not just the 7th and 8th graders under the state plan, but every child should become computer literate. May we make a donation to Scooty Community Fund to go to that purpose? So I met with the principal, and we're putting together a plan that between the Dyer family annual gift to the Scooty Community Fund and other funds that we raise, that we will over time be able to get a computer, a laptop, uh, to the first and second graders. Great. Um, we'll, we'll talk with um, uh, Michael Eastman in just a moment and um, learn more about the Peninsula School. Um, this, this notion that um, donors can then play a role in how their money is, is uh, passed on is, again, borrowing from the main community fund where, where we, we know that there are donor-advised funds. And, and so you're bringing that co concept down um, to the local level as well. Yeah. We had a fellow last year, a physician, who said, uh, I want my $1,000 to go to the heating and power funds mm. of the two towns. Mm. We're happy to oblige. Yep. And it seems like what you're doing is, is um, you're, you're not so big and complicated that people are 
are, are put off by the application process as they might if they had to apply to a major foundation in the U.S. And you're giving away um, small but very strategic dollars. Is that is that your philosophy? We Dick? certainly hope so. We, uh, as Roger mentioned, the school is uh, something that's always on our mind uh, because, as he said, the, the, the children are the future of this place and we're dealing with future kind of issues here. So, yeah, strategic is good. And we, and we, and we think very carefully about the applications as they come in. And we have, on some occasions, have not awarded some because we didn't have the money or maybe we thought it needed to go somewhere else. Or you said, I, I can imagine, um, I want to know more about this, do sure. some more homework, or come back to us another year when, when the idea has, has uh, percolated a little bit yeah. more. I can imagine that's, that's good stewardship of, of, of dollars. Yeah. Well, like the Maine Community Foundation, we recognize that demand usually exceeds supply. Mm. So we can't make awards to every group that applies every year. But... Our long-term goal set by the board is to have a half million dollars in the fund by the year 2018, at which point that will generate $20,000 a year that we can make awards. I think we're going to be able to satisfy most existing nonprofits on the Scudic Peninsula by 2018 if we reach that goal. Mm, that's great. I don't know if Michael's on the line yet. I don't think he is, but we'll, he's, he is on the line. Okay, great. Michael, welcome to Talk with the Town. So glad that you can be with us this morning. Tell us a little bit about um, the Peninsula School and its history because it, it connects to this larger story of what's happening on the peninsula. The, the, uh, the, the Navy base um, closed down and, and that meant that um, Winter Harbor as an institution had a hard time kind of keeping its critical mass. Pick up the story from there. Well, good morning uh, to you all, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to be on uh, the show. Um, the Peninsula School is uh, five years old. It's a, a combination of what used to be the Goldsboro School um, in Goldsboro and the Winter Harbor School, Grammar School uh, in Winter Harbor. Um, uh, some issues happened with both buildings that resulted in uh, a new school being needed. And so, fortunately, the towns uh, came together. Uh, the state came up with the funding, and uh, we feel blessed to be in this, uh, what I would still consider to be a brand new building. Mm. It's a um, wonderful building, and I think people in the community see it as, as their their institution. They were able to kind of come together to create it. It is. It's a great source of pride for uh, not only the community, but for the kids. You mm. can certainly tell when they walk in the door that they're very proud that they have this nice building to come into. And, and it's still, I would say, for the most part, state-of-the-art. We have great technology. Um, and uh, a lot of things that a lot of the other schools in the RSU don't have. Mm. Are, are you uh, kind of could could you uh, summarize some of the challenges that the community has that kind of then um, uh, um, are articulated at the school level? Um, you're, you're a relatively uh, poor community. Yes, uh, actually, between uh, free and reduced lunch, which is our measure, um, we have 60% of our student body. Our student body is 211 students, uh, pre-K to uh, grade eight. So 60% of the student body is uh, free and reduced. And so there are many challenges that exist down here, and, and it goes beyond, obviously, just the lunch program. We have kids that are in need of clothing and of eyeglasses, uh, food, and uh, fortunately, by the uh, blessing of the school community fund, we've been able to provide these for our kids. Mm, this notion of a, a discretionary fund um, must be a great relief to you to be able to, to meet some of those needs because if, if those needs aren't met, kids aren't ready to learn. Most uh, definitely, it's the most basic needs that our kids have that uh, in order to, to them to progress up to uh, the Bloom's taxonomy, mm. they need to be able to have the food, the shelter, the warmth, what have you. And, and wintertime is especially tough for 
a lot of our families and when we spend a great deal of the money that we've been given. Mm. And how else has the, the Scudic Community Fund um, assisted uh, Peninsula School? Uh, well, as I, I did get a chance to listen to the very end of it. First of all, uh, Roger's done a great job of advocating uh, for our school. We um, also have a garden project underway through funds that were secured through um, our PTC. Um, and we're talking about, as Roger mentioned, uh, the possibility of a technology uh, uh, grant um, that hopefully would give us some one-to-one uh, computers for more than just our 7th and 8th grade students. Mm. And living um, and, and kind of working in the, in the Peninsula area, Scudic Peninsula area, um, what are some of the aspirations um, that some of your young students have for their future? And, and how does the school situation support them in those aspirations? Yeah, I, the thing I love about K-8 is that, for the most part, the majority of our students uh, aspire to be whatever they want to be. <laughs> Great. And it's because we've given them the, the basics that they need to, to feel that way. We have a quality staff here uh, that, that supports that. Um, and so um, I, I believe, for the most part, kids leaving uh, in eighth grade, when they walk out our door, um, they are prepared for high school and, and prepared to make the next step as far as uh, post-secondary plans. Great. Great. Well, Michael, thanks so much. Uh, we could do a whole show on, on Peninsula School and other small schools in, in Maine, and maybe we'll have you back sometime. But thanks so, so much for being with us this morning. Thank you, and thank you to the Scudic uh, Fund. Great. Michael Eastman is the principal of the Peninsula School in uh, uh, Prospect Harbor. Is that right? Yes. Not, not the, the town of Goldsboro has many villages, so Prospect right. Harbor. We, we need to identify that correctly. We've got time for a couple more phone calls. If you'd like to give us a call, 1-866-625-9378 or locally 469 if you'd like to participate in our conversation about a local community fund. Perhaps your community um, lacks such a fund and you want to know the mechanics of how to set that up. Give us a call, one 625 9378 So as you um, think about um, all of this, what advice would you give to an, another community that's considering this? How would you say that they get about it? Uh, Roger first, and maybe Dick can share his experience. I don't see why any community would not try it. Um, I think in, in virtually every main coastal community down east, there are folks uh, who uh, love the community and have additional resources. Uh, I will say in the town of Goolsboro and Winter Harbor, our property taxes are low uh, compared to other areas. We're, I think, 7.95. Hmm. Uh, Winter Harbor is less than that. Hmm. Uh, that means we're all getting a great deal living in a beautiful area in delightful communities where people care about one another. So if you have additional means, why not make a contribution? Mm. And why not create a community foundation? Uh, finding the right people up front is key. Uh, putting together bylaws, I think, is important. And Dick and I both agree, working with the main community foundation as your overlord or as the mothership, I think, is critically mm. important. Because they've already worked some of those things out. Yes. They've yeah. been there. They've <laughs> done that. They can provide guidance uh, and good intelligence. Mm. So we are prevented from making stupid mistakes, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> because Maine Community Foundation cares. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dick, what would you add to that notion of, of a community saying, this sounds like a good idea, what would, how would we do it? Well, I'd certainly echo what Roger says, was why wouldn't a community do it? And there are plenty of uh, coastal communities that have the means and the resources, people, uh, not only money, but uh, experience and so forth. And there are a few other community foundations around the state of Maine. I think we're maybe number five or something. I can't remember exactly, but I know that there are others. 
And I'm sure that when people learn more about this concept, that there will be even more. Um, Maine Community Foundation, I'm sure, would be happy to uh, reach out and talk to anyone in any community who was interested in this. Uh, once again, echoing what Roger said, getting a few people together initially who care about their community and are willing to spend some time and some effort uh, getting educated about how to do it and talking to other people around the community. I think that's the key kind of thing to, mm. to begin, to have a few people uh, initially on the ground who really want to see this concept come to bear fruit. Mm -hmm. Have you uh, run into the, the uh, concern that by having a community fund, you're letting the taxpayers off the hook? You know, um, most schools would aspire to have all of the things that you would have, including a principal's um, discretionary fund. That's not possible in, the, in your towns because taxpayers have been reluctant to, to fund that sort of thing. You know, how do you answer that charge? That's a great one. Yeah. Uh, and we have had one person say to us after our first year, we were sorry to see so much money go to the Peninsula School because mm. we already support them with our taxes. And there, I think, the key is education identify, work with your local principal, and Michael Eastman is a wonderful person, Give, ask him for what the intelligent answer is, because he can tell you very quickly all the things that our taxpayer dollars don't support. He can tell you where the needs are greatest. Give you another example, Michael didn't mention it, but last year, a science teacher at Peninsula School wanted to grow salmon from eggs and then release them in the streams, not only because we're a fishing community, but also they wanted to work with the Down East Salmon Federation, a great organization, uh, and teach kids conservation and science at one and the same time. So Scooty Community Fund funded the tank in which the salmon were raised. Now, would they have been able to do that otherwise? Would taxpayer dollars support that? No. But let's just imagine that one of the children who was involved in that later goes on to University of Maine and gets a degree in ecology or environmental mm -hmm. science or fisheries. They're going to be a smarter, better contributing member of the community because they had that experience in fourth grade at the Peninsula School. Well, I've got a, a better story than that because Dwayne Shaw of the Downey Salmon Federation told me the story. Um, he said um, he had a call from a teacher in Cave Hill School up in northern Hancock County, and they had experienced this notion of growing salmon as a student and now they're back as a teacher wow <laughs> and and wants, wants to continue to help so that <laughs> that notion of a cycle coming around and people saying i learned something i want to do that again yeah. it's a great concept i have another uh, yeah. illustration you're asking about the tax support and that is when the first when the school was built five years ago uh, michael eastman mentioned it, that it was a school with lots of advantages and so forth however when the school was finished the state had not uh, supplied any money for playground equipment, and there was simply none there. So that was one of the first things I think we were able to do right. uh, three years ago right. is to provide playground equipment for the school mm -hmm. because the taxes weren't supporting that. 1-866-625-9378. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. If you've got a short question or comment for our guests, Roger Bowen and Dick Gilchrist, both of the Scudic Community Fund, um, are there other grants that you've made that you um, haven't mentioned yet, um, investments you've made in the, in the local community? Yeah, historical fund. Um, Goolsboro Historical Society has applied twice, and what they wanted to do, thinking of history, they're thinking of the future, they wanted to preserve their collection 
and digitalize it. Mm. So they didn't have the equipment, and they came to Scooty Community Fund, and one of our board members in a memorable moment said, a community that does not appreciate its history will never have a future. Great line mm. and worth mm. quoting. Mm. So we made we made two grants to the Historical Society, mm. one that Michael quickly mentioned, but I think worth emphasizing. This year, Peninsula School wanted to put in raised gardens and so let the kids grow their own vegetables. Well, I know a number of schools around the state are doing that, but we have some great organic farmers on the Scudic Peninsula. Darthea Farm, prominent, of course. Mandela Farm, another one. Uh, and we had a board member who served the first three years who was an organic farmer. So everyone was eager to see this happen at Peninsula School. Well, that was an application that the board embraced enthusiastically. This is perfect because farming has a future, small-scale farming right. on the Scudic Peninsula. So again, using that same example, what if one of these children learns how to grow its vegetables and then says, I love farming, mm. and then stays in the peninsula and does this in the future? Win-win. Yeah. Mm. Back to the library. Uh, once again, the new school. I think they had uh, an allocation of $300 to buy books for the library. Mm. And we were able to add to that and hopefully to make a difference there. Mm. Mm. Well, this, yeah. this notion of, a, of a, a, uh, this and many other things happening in the Scudic yep. area um, seems to me that uh, it's not the same as 350 empl Navy employees. That's a big economic um, asset. But you're, mm -hmm. as, a, as a community, you're making strides towards um, uh, envisioning a future. And it sounds like the Scooter Community Fund is, is part of that, perhaps inspiring others to say, oh, what can we do about the future? Well, one of the things is that I've seen over the years that I've been there is that young people who grow up there really, really want to come back and live there. Mm. And one of the young people that we know lives in our neighborhood says, you know, it's very difficult sometimes for, for people who grow up here, go off to college maybe or have other experiences in the armed services or whatever, to come back here and find, one, find employment and also to find affordable housing. So I think that one of the things that we're hoping is that we undergird the ability for stu for kids who grow up there to be able to come back and live in a place they love. Mm, mm. So that sounds like another show as well, affordable housing on the coast of Maine. Um, we've dealt with that in the, in, in the past, and well, I'm sure we'll deal with it in the future. But sure. you're saying it, it's a, a problem even in a place like Goldsboro or Winter Harbor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, again, we're almost out of time, but are there other words of wisdom that you'd want to pass on to uh, listeners about their own communities and how to think about this? We... Actually, Maine Community Foundation Vice President Laura Young contacted me not long ago and said, Roger, the town of Blue Beck is thinking about starting a community fund. And we think that the Scooty Community Fund is the ideal model. Would you agree to meet with folks from Blue Beck? Mm. And we quickly said, we'd love to. Mm, great. So it works. Uh, it, it, and there's no reason not to do it. Mm. And it doesn't take that much time. And again, a tip of the hat to Maine Community <laughs> Foundation for making it as easy as it is. Great, great. And Dick, what would you add to that um, in terms of advice or, or um, support for other communities? Well, you know, words like no-brainer is probably not appropriate <laughs> here. But I mean, you know, why wouldn't someone want to do that if they have the opportunity and can envision the future of their own communities uh, and, to, and to love their community and say, why wouldn't we want 
to uh, create uh, an entity that is continually going to support this community. Mm. And again, your website so people can find out more, Roger? org And Scootie Community Fund is all one word. A lot of letters. Great. Well, I'm sure if they... If, if they uh, if they uh, put that in their in their web search engine, they'll they'll come up with the, the website. Thanks so much for being with us uh, this morning. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Koronak on a Balnain House Highland music recording. Thanks to our guests in the studio, Roger Bowen, Chair, and Dick Gilchrist, Vice Chair of the Scudic Community Fund. Thanks to those who we talked with who are both uh, donors and, and recipients of, of funds through their institutions, uh, Hope Buckner at the Winter Harbor Library and Michael Eastman at the uh, Peninsula School. He's the principal there. Thanks to our underwriters at Maine Community Foundation. Uh, thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. Support for WERU comes from the Strand Theater in